are on Being Community Radio, the journey after the journey. Tonight we are trying something new. We are streaming this live on Facebook. So if you are able to go to Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash oreality, O-R-I-Y-A-L-I-T-Y. It's hard to remember. I'm probably not going to repeat it again. But as we get better with this, we'll know. There's a little bit of delay, I think, from the broadcast to the video. But this is a new technology. And this is what we are here to really discuss tonight is the solar eclipse. It's very, very meaningful. Because we are getting to a place where... We're getting to a place where the last eight months the last eight months of shifting and changing are all let's say coming to a completion there is a new cycle beginning a new cycle of remembering of remembrance and this is what tonight's show is all about it really is about remembership which is a kind of a new word that i'm coining for remembering together in community. Because it's very, very easy to have glimpses of of your real self, of your higher self. However, remembering, having consistency for support in remembering is really what community is all about. Because there is no way to stay awake all the time, not yet anyway. There is no way to guarantee the continuation of enlightenment unless you are doing it in community and this is what this show is about this is what this effort together with sam Leibowitz and talking alternative and being community radio this is what this show is all about we have different segments different names the journey after the journey, we are calling it because we are specifically talking to people who have reached a point in their spiritual journey where they feel like they know what home feels like. You know what home feels like. You have a sense of remembering who you are. There is a sense of you're listening to your soul. You're listening to a place in you that is speaking to you. You're being led by spirit. And yet, all of the promise of enlightenment, all of the promise of coming back home, it really, really, we are meeting ourselves at this point where now the real work begins. Now the real journey begins. Because the real journey is the journey once, once you are familiar with what home feels like, once you are aware with the truth that we are creating our own reality. And you know that. This is not a show about spirituality one-on-one. This is not kindergarten spirituality. This is really a deep reflection of you speaking to you right now from a deep place. Your essence calling you, speaking to you, and reminding you that not only you are creating our rea- your reality, that the true meaning of remembership the true meaning of remembering is co-creating our life together we are all reflections of one another we truly are and yet we each have our own individual essence 
we each have our own individuality. So we hop around, we have this dance between learning who we are, remembering who we are, and ultimately what we are doing together to create a harmonious, harmonious world. Technology is changing. Look, this is the first time I'm on video, live video. It's very simple. It took two clicks, really just two clicks using my existing phone, my existing Facebook account. I didn't do that much. I just had to get a tripod. Uh, in some ways, I feel kind of there's a nervousness that I haven't felt in quite some time. Why? It's something new. I'm on video. Uh, I'm realizing that it's an entirely new way to reach people. It's an entirely new way to engage. And there is a place in me that I'm ha I literally have to see myself speak. I'm seeing different comments. I'm seeing different people. I'm actually seeing who is joining. It could be easier for me since I can see who I am talking to. And yet, anytime we do something new, anytime we stretch and we expand... There is a sense of the opportunity to fail, the opportunity to do it wrong. I just came back from Israel and I was keeping a journal. I was keeping a journal of my lessons, the things that I'm learning. I grew up in Israel. I spent the first 15 years of my life in Israel. And yet I never considered myself, uh, well, I can't say I never considered myself Israeli, but I can say that I never felt at home. I went to visit Israel many times, and never did I feel at home, never did I feel Israeli. Maybe because I grew up religious, maybe because I grew up in a very, very unique circumstances where not only was I religious, going to yeshiva and very, very strict Orthodox schools, I was also in a home where my mother and my stepfather were, for lack of better words, junkies, heroin addicts. So it was this weird dichotomy, weird paradox of a substance abuse that all started specifically for consciousness exploration and spirituality that just ended. I mean, it didn't, you know, my stepfather died, my mother got cleaned up, but... As you can imagine, if you can, it was a very confusing upbringing for me where I grew up going to religious schools. I grew up being trained in religious studies, being trained in faith and uh, contemplation and prayer. And yet at the same time, not only did I not care much for my teachers because they didn't really seem happy, at home, my, my parents, my stepfather, my mother... They didn't really behave that religious, not only because of their drug abuse, but for many other reasons. So I, for in many ways, I was the only one, I was the only one, I was the only religious guy at home. I used to take my brothers to synagogue, and I was the only one taking them to synagogues. My parents didn't join us. So I couldn't identify with Israelis. I couldn't identify with the religious people. I didn't identify with most groups of people. I didn't even identify with, uh, you know, junkies or, or poor, poor lower class families because we were so unique. Now, I come to realize that everyone feels the same way about their life, ultimately, or at least most of us. This feeling of alienation, this feeling like we're not doing something right, we're defective. 
All of that to say that when I just went home to Israel, this was the first time, and I'm 35 years old, and it was the first time in my life that I felt at home. I felt at home. And the funny part is that this is the first time that I went to Israel feeling at home in America. And I've been here for 21, 22 years. So I've already been familiar and aware of what home feels to me. And bam, I go to Israel and God, I, I get choked up just, just feeling it. Just feeling, just really identifying myself with the language, identifying myself with the Israeli part in me, the innovator, the... the the fast pace in which we create new things, in which we understand different things, and it was one of the, it was really one of the most meaningful months of my life. And I'm still, and it's going to take me probably months and months and months to really integrate all of my experiences in Israel. All of that to say that I kept a journal, and one of the first things that I wrote in that journal is the importance of playing with the resistance. How playing with their resistance is really the key to the expansion. People think that you got to find ease and comfort in order to expand. A lot of times we feel, I had a meeting today with someone and she was very adamant about being awake all the time. Like the possibility of being awake all the time. Of the enlightenment as if uh, this it is a state of of being that you're always here you're always awake and since the beginning of time if you want to call it the big bang or you want to see it as a religious act of sort that god created this life either way since the beginning of time the way we are growing the way we are changing is through resistance for example for me right now there's a little bit of resistance of doing it on camera and I'm watching myself speak and it's actually pretty annoying. But at the same time, at the same time, I know that it's I'm serving. I'm doing something different. I'm doing something new. So that resistance, if you really want to take it, the Big Bang itself is resistance. The Big Bang itself is a restriction of sort in which life split itself into so many different pieces to give each one of us the opportunity to channel our own version of light. Just feel into that. Feel into the fact that the Big Bang itself, whatever version of the Big Bang you believe in, is the way in which light itself split off into so many different pieces, giving you the opportunity to have freedom of choice giving you the opportunity to receive the light, to receive life, and then it's up to you to do whatever it is that you kind of want to do with it. And this entire life purpose is really to remind you that we are vessels of this magnificent, beautiful gift of life. And we do have freedom. We can use the light to the good and to the bad. You can use electricity to light up a room and you can use electricity to electrocute yourself and you can also use electricity to make you know, bombs and explosions. And it's very important for every one of us to realize that the good and the bad, it's really the two sides of the same coin, right? We know that. But 
utilizing the good and the bad, utilizing good and evil, utilizing the opposite and complementary forces that are always innate with us. Learning how to play with the resistance is so important. Recognizing the resistance as the places in us that's going to make us grow. I'm doing something very new. I bet that you are being called to doing something new in your life. There are so many new things facing you. I mean, spring is upon us and the world is changing. And let me tell you, this is good news and bad news. The good news that those of us who have been doing work quite some time on ourselves are about and already are really enjoying the benefits of presence and the ability to know yourself. And those of us who haven't been doing work, those of us who are resisting our own resistance, those of us who are still selfish, those of us who are still worried about ourselves, well, it's about to get even harder. Because the feeling of abundance, the feeling of harmony is readily available now. It's so easy to communicate. It's so easy to contribute. It's so easy to share. And that also brings up the resistance and the opportunity to get to know ourselves even deeper. We'll be back in a few minutes. See ya. Know you are love. Rest in peace. Dream your sweet dreams. Till your soul is released. Know you are love. Rest in peace. We're back, being community radio. Wow, this is such a different experience for me, I must say. Uh, It's knowing. I mean, I've always known you're listening. I'm talking to you. But it's something else. And it really does symbolize the change. When I left Israel a year ago, okay, and I keep talking about Israel, why not? When I left Israel a year ago, my mother told me that the biggest change that's happening in the world is there's no more hiding. Anything you're hiding, any secrets will come out. Only the truth uh, can actually stick around. And I remember when she said that, I was like, oh boy. Not just for me, just for the entire world. And literally the past year, anything I have been afraid of, any shadows that I wasn't, um, how do I say it? Let me look at the camera. Any shadows that I didn't acknowledge fully within myself that I was hoping that it would go away on its own or that I didn't face, it all showed up. The past eight months have been such a, a roller coaster. They really have been. It's been amazing because it gave me an opportunity again and again and again to stand up for myself, to realize that I have always been in my integrity and all of my actions and all of my decisions I've always come from a place of self-knowledge and learning and getting to know myself. And I want to remind you, all of you who are doing this work, waking up did not come with a manual. It didn't. Getting to know yourself did not come with a manual. It doesn't matter what teachers and what books you read and how much help and guidance you're getting. The truth is, to become you, to become you fully, to become you fully, the way you are right now, with your experiences, 
with everything the world has to offer right now, is such an individual journey. It's such a unique journey. And that's why community is so important. Not so much for the teachings. Of course, the reflections, the mirroring is, is, is uber important. But for the safety, for the support, just to give you space. My entire job is to give people space to grow up. My entire mission and purpose is to give people unconditional love and unconditional space so you can do what you do anyway. So you can be how you behave secretly and quietly. Just do it in front of us without getting judged for it. And my hardest work has been to really love and unconditionally give space to people who not only judge me or criticize me, but these same people who have been supporting and helping unconditionally. I have been experiencing this phenomenon where a lot, where, well, I don't want to say a lot, but people who have been supporting and giving to, you know, when, when things kind of go wrong and people don't want to do their work all the time, they usually, a lot of times, they turn back at, at, at their last guide, at their last teacher. There is such a thing as, as projections, and, and I become a psychic trash can for people. For example, a lot of times if I help couples, and they get to be in a very vulnerable place, if they don't really want to do the work and continue and working on themselves, many times they'll point their fingers at me. I find that a lot. They'll point their fingers at me and they'll blame me, which now in my job as a teacher, as a guide, I'm fine with that. I get it. But at the same time, you have to understand that this has been my biggest source of resistance because growing up, my biggest fear has been what people think about me. Growing up, I just wanted to be not seen. I didn't want to be called upon. I would never want to speak in class. I'd get so nervous and red if anybody ever asked me anything, not to mention confrontation, telling people the truth, being very direct, telling people my needs. Man, that's been a journey, and it still is. Just now, as the world is so is, is changing and everything is out there, and abundance is actually readily available now because we have finally surrendered to the fact that everything is digital, right? It's all just virtual numbers moving from here to there, and anybody can contribute in so many ways, especially, especially using the internet now. Anybody can spread any message at any time. I have 10 viewers right now. The difference between 10 viewers and 100,000 viewers is merely consciousness. It really, 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 really is. I can barely stomach the 10 viewers because I see your faces and I know exactly who you are. To go from 10, now it's 12. And we will keep... And I grew up not to count money and people, so I don't really have this thing where... I'm counting. It's important to just be open and know that life always gives you what you can handle anyway. But this is the beginning of a really, really remarkable era. And this whole notion of getting ready and preparing and waiting until you're fully awake or waiting until something is, is, is cooked up enough for you that you can share, man, there's, there's, there really isn't any truth to it. This is the old way of thinking. This is the old way of being. You're much better off scheduling time where you're writing, scheduling time where you're sharing, coming on a podcast, 
That's why I use community. Because if, if I had to do this on my own, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't go home and record videos and send them. I record a lot of videos at home. But I maybe send or publish one out of 50. For real. I back up everything to Google+. Plus. One day, one day, I'll be able to go back and see all of them. But I work with Sam Libowitz. I go to Talk and Alternative. I come here. I sit down. I sit in front of the mic. And that's what's so beautiful about community. We are able to do this together. So coming to Israel, really feeling this place of playing with the resistance. And I believe that for Israel itself, like it was, it was very interesting to me to come to a place where there is so much empathy. There is so much love. There is so much camaraderie. Like when I would go to a store and I would, you know, get a sandwich or whatnot... I remember when the guy would give me suggestions for what to make on the sandwich, I would feel the sort of empathy and love that I rarely feel from people. And yet at the same time, this is still a country that is so immersed in war that's based on what? Based on hatred, based on what? Based on ideology, based on different ideas. And I was able to meet with different people, Palestinians, Israelis, Arabs, Jews, and I saw how... I didn't have to see that. I mean, we know that in our hearts that people want the same thing. We know that. We, we really, at this point in our life, now that we have the internet, now that we know, now that we know that everyone has the same problems, everyone has the same potential, everyone has the same capacities. Yes, different places have different opportunities. And yet we can move around. Maybe not everywhere all the time, but those of us who are watching this, those of us who are able to listen to this, those of us who are able to connect to the internet, are able to write, are able to speak, are able to type, we are aware that the only thing that's stopping us is jealousy, envy, and negative thoughts about ourselves. Because with a little bit or a lot of work and playing with the resistance, we can have peace in the world. We really can. Uh, when, people, when people talk about, well, I'm not here to help the world, I'm only here to do this, I'm not here to... People, people talk negatively of utopian vision sometimes. I, not only I have utopian visions for the world and for my family, I live like that every day. I really do. Maybe not all the time, but I make most of my decisions as if I live in heaven, as if there is enough. This is not because I am good or better than or righteous of any way. It's because I trust my heart. And my heart is continuously showing me that we are a connected society. We are a connected species. Everything is connected to everything else and you know that. There is a way in which we can come back to our hearts. And there are many different ways to come back to the heart. Many different ways. Some people do it through movement. Some people do it through laughter. Some people do it through spiritual ceremonies, shamanic journeying. So many different ways. And yet the feeling of the heart is universal. The feeling of being connected is universal. The feeling of really being calm because you feel safe in this world is universal and that is ultimately my goal for you for me for my family for the entire world to feel safe to trust what if you know 
What if you know that you're being taken care of all the time? What if you know that your only job is to listen and to take care of yourself? I'm beginning to experience this uh, place in my life where I trust spirit so much. And I know I'm being led by spirit. I'm being led by life. I mean, I've been experiencing it immensely over the past 24 hours. Immensely. So it's kind of very curious that at the same time, I'm jumping into the next thing. I have to read my own notes that's saying, play with the resistance. I was reading Hanu, a bedtime book. My son, I have a three and a half year old son. And I was having a really, really negative hour. It was an hour where my entire livelihood was threatened. My reputation was threatened. All of my worst trouble and fears chased me all the way down to Israel. And there was a part of me that I was really afraid. I could feel the heaviness. You ever been afraid? You ever been really, really afraid? And there was a part of me that I could feel this. And I felt it before. And I ask myself, what's my lesson? Why is this coming back? Why is this fear now in Israel? Why am I feeling it? And what I could connect to in a deep place that every other time I felt fear, every other time I felt threatened, there was a sense that I was waiting for it to be over, to feel safer. I was waiting for it to be over to once again do my thing and be creative and pay attention to the world. I said, this time, I'm going to do it differently. This time, I'm going to play with the fear, play with the resistance, and not wait for it to go away. And that's the biggest shift that happened to me in Israel, except, of course, feeling Israeli and loving my home country. But really, really knowing that, once again, I'm not going to wait for the fear to be over. I'm going to accept fear and trepidation as part of my life. I'm going to accept it, that it's what makes me stronger. It's what pushes me to find my truth even better and greater. <sighs> reading Hanu's book, reading Hanu's book, at the end of it, it was, it's called Pete the Cat at the Beach. And at the end, it says, it's okay to be afraid but it's more fun to surf it's okay to be afraid but it's more fun to surf this live video stream it says it's going to be over in a couple of minutes but i'm going to start it up again i just want to say thank you for ryan for listening in he says i want a shout out so why not thank you all of you for tuning in i'm going to restart this stream and hopefully they'll let me do it otherwise you can go to talkingalternative.com and tune in live Thank you, and I really, really love you. Beloved child, go out, spread light to the world. Be strong, be kind, be brave. Know your mind, know that you're divine. Know that it's all right. And we're back. I had to start another stream. We'll see. So Facebook lets you do it for 30 minutes. 
got a two-hour show, so that should be interesting. But it could really work out because people are not very likely to watch a two-hour thing. So doing a 30-minute blocks could really work. Anyway, I could, really, I could read your comments, and I think I'm getting used to it a little bit more. It's nice. It's nice to actually know and see the faces who are listening. I'm excited about it. My, the show title for today was Remembership. Remembering together, remembering community, how important it is for us to remind each other, how important it is for us to literally pass the flashlight from one to another. Because we are remembering different things at different times, but there is a part of you, there's a deep, deep, deep part of you that really wants to remember who you are. It's a deep part of you that wants to remember what you're here to do, how you're, how you're here contributing. And it's a process. It's a real process of waking. When you first wake up, when you first get a sense that this is who you are, when your heart opens up for the first time, a lot of times, and this is where you may be right now, a lot of times you could be bringing up a lot of the trauma and the heartache, not just yours, but generational uh, again, I just came back from Israel and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who is a Holocaust survivor. I'm not sure if she identifies with that statement because I know she's been listening to the show. And I don't know if you identify with it and I don't really think that I identify my grandmother as a Holocaust survivor. It's a thing, it's a statement. But I do know that she spent six years in the camps from the age of 10 to 16 and in all of my life, we really didn't talk much about it. And yet this past visit, I have spent a lot of time talking to her about it. And there is a sense of how much we were forgetting, how as a, as a nation of Jewish people, we went all the way from supposedly, especially in the Jewish belief, we went from receiving the Torah, receiving light, receiving direct connection from the divine, all the way through getting so lost in, into wars where we can come into a country like Israel, where we're still fighting other people. We're still dealing with ignoring, really ignoring our neighbors. And listen, I'm not here to bash Israel. I'm not here to bash anyone because there is no Israel. There is no Palestine. It's all us. It's all, there's no them. There's no they. My parents were together. And for me, they were together for the first time in maybe 35 years for me. And we got into a conversation and we all had this moment where we agreed just for half a second or five seconds that there is no they. There is no Palestinians. There is no Israelis. We are all one human family, brothers and sisters wanting to live together in this life. We can grow our own food. You know, technology is changing, right? Technology is changing and expanding. And as far as I'm concerned, the Messiah is the internet. I know we, this is some stuff that I talk about, but this is for real. This is a real thing for me. When I grew up, I grew up religious, and we had this whole thing about the Messiah. One day, the Messiah is going to come. And I'm sure Christians have their own thing. Muslims have their own thing. We all have their own thing. Yet, what is it? What is it about the Messiah or the end of days 
that is the most common. The most common trait of the Messiah is that everybody is going to know everything, right? The, the truth will be revealed to everyone. Well, if uh, 200 years ago or 300 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we would, they would tell you that one day everyone is going to have access to all the knowledge and all the information and to everyone. Wouldn't that that far, you know, isn't that far fetched to believe that that's what the internet is? This is the first time in the history of humanity that we have access to all the information and all the knowledge. We are at the end of days. The internet just started. I, if you guys are taking it for granted, if you guys are taking this for granted, you better wake up. You better wake up. This is a new dawn where we are at the age of what, the age of Aquarius, some people call it, age of perfect information, says Daniel Falcone. It's, it's a place where we have access to everything and all of our truths. So remembership, remembering in community, reminding each other where somebody like me, who, you know, just really, you know, beyond, I, I, I can't say average because I'm definitely not average. I used to really think that I'm worse than average. I'm defective. I don't have enough. I don't know enough. That was my real belief. Now I realize that that has been my blessing my ignorance, my lack of education, my lack of traditional upbringing is my blessing because I, I've been able to be so insecure. People a lot of times ask me questions like, how come you're not studying more? How come you're not reading more? The truth is, it's insecurities. There's a part of me that doesn't want to get more in-depth into things because of an old belief system that I won't really get to a place where I'm confident enough at it. As a matter of fact, most of the time where I don't prepare isn't because I don't like preparing. It's, it's just easier for me just to show up. It's easier for me just to be. And if that's what life is trying to express through me, being an example of playing with the resistance, being an example of the awkward stage, it's so critical because I know you. So many of you have so many gifts to share. So many of you have so much to give just by being you. All of your experiences, all of your stories, if there is an itch within you to share, and I know you're watching it because of that, I know you're watching me because so many of you have this itch, have this yearning to share, to express. It's a universal itch. It really is. And we get so bogged down with, I want to know what my message is. I know what my message is. This is my message. Right here, right now, sharing with you live. So this beginning of the, the, the waking process is really getting to know yourself. As I said, as you get into your heart, the first thing that happens, a lot of the trauma, the generational trauma, a lot of the fears that my grandmother had in the camps and the Holocaust may have passed down in the DNA, and that's scientifically proven now, to my mother. And then that's passed down to me. And so there's so many times and places where I'm afraid, where I'm just afraid. And I may think that I'm afraid because my debt, or I'm afraid because my wife's student loans. But that's not it. Those are just triggers that remind me of the fear. But a lot of this fear is generational. Do you realize that the life expectancy has doubled? And, and how long? Well, uh, Sam, what's, since when has it doubled? 
Yeah, in the last about 150 years. In, in the past 150 years, life expectancy has doubled. It blows me away. No, it blows me away. I don't know why you guys like can't like realize that literally our vessel, our vessel has expanded to be able to receive more light. Can you feel into that? The reason why we can live another 100 years, you can say it's science, you can say it's uh, technology. It doesn't matter what it is because science and technology starts where? In our imagination. Science and technology starts where? In our imagination. Einstein, he came up with all his formulas. Where? In his imagination. Newton, where did he come up with all his formulas and all his understanding? In his imagination. Guys, take the time to get to know your imagination. Take the time to get to know yourself. It's imperative. See the world inside first. Don't believe what you see outside. Well, believe it, but not for long. Be able to contemplate the world into reality because guess what? All of this, all of this comes from within. One of my teachers uh, says, uh, just because something is true is a lousy reason to give your attention to it. And when we get too focused on what things are like here and now, instead of how we want them to be and how we can see them, the possibilities, then we limit our imagination. And the reason that's a bad thing is because then we can't imagine those new possibilities. So when we focus more on the new possibilities, when we focus more in our imagination, we open ourselves up to creating the very world that we're envisioning. And that's the key. And that's why my goal all the time in helping people remember, ultimately, it's not remembering what. It's remembering who. It's remembering who you are. And you are a particle of God. You are an, imagine, an imaginative miracle. Everything is happening in your imagination. Everything. It's so important to understand that. And again, going back to that very simple fact that life expectancy doubled in the past you know, 150 years. Uh, I, I, studied, I studied Kabbalah for many years. And I worked for people uh, who teach Kabbalah. I, I was born into it. My name actually comes from Kabbalah. And it was only in this past Israel trip, I swear, I just have to say it, did I finally drop my resistance to it. I've had a resistance to it. I've had, I mean, I didn't say, I guess, dropping is the wrong word. I'm playing with the resistance. I'm playing with the fact that sometimes you're so close to information and knowledge, and all I could fo find and focus on is what people did wrong with it. I, I, I couldn't read the Kabbalah book when people would just talk about Kabbalah as if it's the only truth. It's very annoying to me. It's very annoying to me that anyone ever says this is the truth. But I have to respect that and honor that, that 500 years ago, 1,500 years ago, heck, 30 years ago, before the internet existed, people had to say these things because when they found the truth, they really didn't see anything else. And if they, were, if they had to protect it and, and, and like go on a crusade because they believed it's possible, maybe they had to say, you know, I, I, I remember getting a little turned off when... 
people talking about how Kabbalists saw the stars and astrology way before anyone else. Or I read somewhere that Abraham, the patriarch, was the first astronomer. Okay, why can't we just say one of the first, or one of the earlier first, or at least as far as the Jews are concerned, as far as the Jewish lineage, the first. So, the, I used to get lost in that kind of stuff. I used to get lost in the fact, oh, if you say it's the first, that means the whole thing is wrong. If you are excluding everyone else, then I don't trust you. And I'm learning to embrace and embed all of the truth together. So me, studying, uh, being born into Kabbalah and studying Kabbalah and now playing with the resistance and saying, okay, well, Jewish mysticism, I come from it. When I go on my own spiritual journeys, when, the deeper I go, the more I see everything breaking into Hebrew letters. That's what I see. That's what happens. When I ingest a sacred substance of sorts, when I go on these uh, shamanic journeying with my teacher, that's what I see. I literally see Hebrew letters. Now what is, uh, And I've been resisting it and ignoring it for a long time. Does it mean that Hebrew letters are the truth and the world is only made of Hebrew letters? No. It just means that certain patterns are so embedded in my psyche that it's my job to explore them. It's my job to remember who I am. So I may share that. We'll be back in a few minutes and I believe you'll uh, still be here on video. No, you are loved. Rest in peace. Dream your sweet dreams till your soul is released. No, you are loved. Rest in peace. We are back, Being Community Radio, where we are reminding one another. We're reminding one another who we are. And who we are is an expression of the divine, an expression of life itself, literally trying and being our own uniqueness. For what? To create new stories of harmony. There's 8 billion people in the world. There's so many of us. And yet so few of us control, and I'm using air quotes because I'm on video, control so many of us. I think that's great, great, great news. Because we have been acting unconsciously. We have been using very, very strong spiritual principles. Because guess what? There is no good and bad. There is, but that's not why we're here. Freedom of choice freedom of will gives us the ability to use the energy of desire to use the energy of desire to create whatever we want hitler did come into power okay many bad things happen and many bad things continue to happen now they do not last if they're not in harmony with life they do not last if they're not in harmony with community but anything is possible with desire. I remember when I worked at the Kabbalah Center for six years, I went up to one of the main teachers and I said, so what is it? What's the secret? What's the, what's the secret of life? And he told me the yearning. And his father, who is no longer alive, uh, he's created 
no matter what you believe about him and what your opinion of him has created such a large organization from you know from his basement based on what desire it's so important for you to realize that waking up remembering who you are is ultimately to get to know yourself to get to know what life desires through you what is it that you want your soul wants what is it that you're here to build and create it's very very important I could be talking about this for the rest of my life and I'll be happy with that because I've come to recognize that when I pay attention to what I'm daydreaming about, when I pay attention to what I've always daydreamed about, and guess what? This right now, what I am doing right now is a, such a big part of it. And this seems to me, it seemed like a mere fantasy six years ago. It's just complete fantasy. I, I sat in a nine-to-five job for six years, really, truly hating it, not liking it. And I have the blessing and the opportunity right now to do this with you. Why? Why? Out of all the things that I could be doing on a Tuesday night, because I got to know myself. And it's a continuous journey of getting to know myself. So once my daydreams continue to come back and guess what they're not mine they're not mine they are lives and it's crucial that when you start remembering when you start remembering you a you make sure that you hang out with people you continue to hang out with people or you stop hanging out with people depending on who they are that reminds you that supports you i once heard a long time ago i don't know who said it that you are the average of the five people that you hang out with the most it is it's very good news and bad news you are the average of the people you hang out with the most and as you start waking up it's important that you realize that you're going to lose certain friends you're going to intentionally change your friends because we are walking energy fields we are walking electromagnetic fields and what we think and what we feel and what we do has an effect on everyone and everything. So as we begin to wake up, as you begin to wake up to the power of your heart, as you realize that the most powerful, powerful energy that you have in your body is your heart. It's, it's measured. It's, uh, how many, you know how many feet, uh, Sam, they say that the electromagnetic field goes for? Um, they say from your head it's about six inches and from your heart it's like six feet. Okay, so no wonder when people walk into a room, like right now, exactly. the, our guest for the next hour just walked into the room, you can feel she's light, she's a little nervous, mm -hmm. but she's fine. Yeah. Like you can, you can tell people's energy. You can yeah. tell, now not only you can tell, you can also consciously change yours. Right. You can also consciously, and that's what... Again, we're back to remembership, and I'm doing this play on words with remembership, where it's remembership, where we're remembering together, and then I also have this thing with pirates and ships, so it really is the journey of navigating consciousness, because the heart has the quality of water, consciousness has the quality of water, it's flowing, learning how to navigate consciousness is, is, is mastery, is enlightenment, it's not about being awake all the time, it really, there's no such thing, it's navigating. And I see you have something that you want to share, Sam. Well, just uh, uh, when you said that play on words, I didn't think of it. But yeah, remember ship. It's, it's using this ship to remember. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we're about. I'm, I like my that. invitation I like is to that. get on the ship 
you know, get on board. Yeah. Secretly, secretly, ever since I started being a uh, officially a spiritual guide of sorts, my nickname for myself is Pirate of Consciousness. It has. It really has been. Because I've always seen myself as living in so many different realities. Because it's always been very clear to me that reality is created by my own imagination, by my own fears, by my own wishes, by my own desires. And as we begin to wake up, the most important advice I can give, since in some ways I feel like this is my first show because we're doing a live stream for the first time. So I'm, I'm almost as nervous as I was in the beginning. Kind of, not really. You have to get to know yourself. You get to know yourself. Everybody wants to show up fully all the time. That's the thing. I want to show up fully. Well, you have to be full in order to show up fully. That's important. What fills you up? What fills you up? What feels good? What is care for you? Everybody always wants to give and share and help the world. You know that truth? I'm going to remind you again. You cannot give what you don't have. It's so simple and so annoying, right? It really is. You can't give what you don't have. And the question is, why do you want to receive? And that's back to the you know creation one-on-one. Why did life split into a billion different pieces? Giving us the opportunity to earn the light, to earn the blessings, to earn the goodness. If life was just giving everything to you all the time, things would be very boring. That's not just a metaphor. That's the truth. We don't really know the end game and the end result because we are creating it all the time. We're doing it, but we are doing it. We start with the space which we have in community, hopefully, to get to know ourselves. What fills you up? What makes you happy? What daydreams keep coming back? If it's just about sharing, great. If it's moving, if it's traveling, if it's writing. Most of you, most of us, most of the invitation that I have for the world and I'm part of it is to see your purpose as the discovery process, as the journey itself. I have no idea what I'm going to do or be in five years from now. I don't. I really don't. I have this giddy feeling within myself, though. I have a giddy feeling that I actually didn't have a month ago. I actually didn't even have three days ago. It's a process, but it's a giddiness. It's an excitement. I am the most certain and trusting that I've ever been in my life. And it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility to share and to speak up and to say, what if your entire life purpose is to trust? What? It's, uh, it's exciting, right? It really is. What if you know that the entire, your whole, this, this whole period of you know, transitioning to the age of Aquarius, to the age of information, is to just know that everything exists already. Everything is here for you. And we have evolved into whatever it is that we are right now. Conscious, consciousness, becoming aware of ourselves, just to unthink ourselves, to get out of the way, to learn to trust our bodies, to learn to trust what we think about first thing as we wake up. And that takes practice. I have, you know, a practice that it's probably one of the only practices that I have right now. Well, I have a bunch, but this is the most consistent one that I find very magical. And I'll say in the minute and a half we have left before we come back, and we're going to start a new stream. Every morning, 
and every night specifically i do it now at night i don't sometimes i'm in too much pain in the morning and that's a whole other topic but definitely at night before i go to sleep i imagine my life as either it i want it to be or i'm just listening to what life wants to do through me and i'm imagining it I'm working this weekend with a group of people. I'm imagining myself in front of the room. I'm imagining the smiles. I'm feeling it. I'm imagining five years from now. Not too many details. It doesn't matter. But it really, I definitely make sure to not spend time thinking about the people who talk shit about me or what bothers me. That is, that's been my work now for quite some time. Same thing in the morning. I wake up and, again, instead of worrying about whatever i am manifesting as kyla says i'm manifesting my day by moving away from my thoughts moving away from my worries and knowing that i'm literally sending these positive and negative depending on my thoughts electrons and electromagnetic particles out there because all thoughts every thought is is creating a negative or positive charge and when I'm spending time at night and I'm spending time in the morning to literally send those positively charged electrons to the world, I know the world doesn't have an option or a choice but to make that happen. And if it's in alignment with my spirit and it's in alignment with life, it definitely happens. We'll be back in a few minutes. I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. Out of darkness, light are pumping, 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 pumping. Into white light, all things running, 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 running. And we're back, being community radio. And this next hour, we have a fantastic guest. I mean, I'm intrigued by her. Luckily, we haven't had... No, we talked. We talked for some time, but we haven't talked in about a year. Yeah, it's been a while. And uh, she is a yoga teacher and a lawyer. So I think that if that's not intriguing enough, then what is? And we're just, what is it, lawyoga.com? Lawyoga.com. That's cool. So tell us, who the hell are you? Why are you doing both? <laughs> I That's a... a big question i'm doing both because they're both deep parts of me i uh, wanted to be a lawyer from the time i was a small child in fact i can't remember a time when i didn't want to be a lawyer i don't even remember when the first thought was implanted i just remember always wanting to be for different reasons as i was growing up and and so my path was always very directed to go to law school. It was always the plan. I never quite questioned it for maybe six months when I was in college and just forgot about it and, and kept going. And then I, I discovered yoga my second year of law school. Um, law school is not really a, an enjoyable experience. Well, well, I, I'm curious because I, sure. I wanted to be a lawyer at yeah. some point, maybe because I'm Jewish, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I a did. Lot of like, Jewish lawyers. There was definitely a part in me that uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do growing up. Uh, I thought I was going to be a shrink, mm-hmm. and then at some point I said, "I know." I remember why I wanted to be. 
uh, it's like that part in the courtroom where you're convincing people or like getting all passionate and like that closing argument, I think on Matlock or something, that that really turned me on personally. So right. I, I went to the new school and I was checking out different things. So I remember my own ride of wanting to be a lawyer. So wh what about you? What? You know, I can't remember when I originally first thought of it. And I think when I think way back, because this wanting to be a lawyer it goes so far back into my youth. Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a small child. I remember when I was in the fourth grade, we had like interview week with different professions and there was a judge there. I don't remember his name, but I remember what he looks like. He was wearing a suit. This older gentleman. And... Uh, I interviewed him as part of whatever we were doing that week at school, and uh, and then I wanted to be a judge. And in order to be a judge, I had to become a lawyer. So that's the earliest thought I can remember. But another uh, more informative and probably more formative uh, input in, about lawyering was when I was in high school, I read The Pelican Brief. Okay. I don't know if you know that no. book. It's a John Grisham book, uh, you know. Okay. It, 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 one of those thrillers and the yeah i listened to a bunch of john grisham audiobooks when yes. i did a lot of driving so yes right and so the pelican brief was uh one of his earlier books and in the book the main character exposes a, a big scandal i can't remember the details but it was a big scandal that involved a corporation doing something nefarious to harming people and she exposed it and saved everybody um, and uh, it was like this super, it was a woman character, okay. and so this super hotshot, smart woman that came to the rescue as, as a lawyer. And, I, you know, it's sort of all of my thoughts of becoming a lawyer up until that time, and then I read that book, it was just solidified. In fact, the, the college that, she, the law school she was at was Tulane. I ended up going to okay. Tulane undergrad, <laughs> like implanted that idea in my head. So I went to Tulane, uh, and then I went to Georgetown for law school. But it, it was it, it was sort of as I was becoming in 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 my adolescence, it was definitely about serving the world. Okay. I wanted to serve the world. The essay that I wrote when I entered law school was about saving the world, human rights, different kinds of things that I, I, I don't do at all in the legal profession now. But that's what inspired me to go. OK, cool. And, yeah. and, and so you followed you followed some sort of inner calling that you always that you had ever since you were a kid and then you were introduced to yoga i discovered yoga I really just by accident i lived in a, a group house my second year of law school one of the uh, students who was not a law student he was in a, a graduate program uh was in a room next to mine and i would pass his room at night and hear this really sonorous breathing <laughs> which was ujjayi breathing if anybody's familiar with the the ashtanga breathing that makes a lot of noise that you hear in yoga class and i asked him what in the world he was doing and he said oh i'm doing yoga i'll show you how to do it and he was just following the ashtanga series out of a book and you know it just sort of i was like okay let's do it and the yogis love to talk about how if you feel connected to yoga immediately, it's because you've practiced in another life. And that definitely is what happened to me. It was just, it, it was like I fell in love 
there was this practice. I had never even thought about it before I started the Ashtanga series, which is one small part of yoga, but I didn't know that mm-hmm. back then. And, and then I never looked back. So how long ago was that? I'm in my 15th year now. Wow. Yeah, that was in 2002. Wow. In January of 2002. Wow, okay, cool. So we have the luxury of speaking and being with someone who's very experienced and I've following your calling and mixing it up. I've been doing it a long time. Yoga, I've been practicing a long time. I like to joke it's my, my longest relationship. <laughs> Is it a joke? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a joke. It, the joke part is about it being a relationship. It really is a relationship, hmm. the, the practice, at least the way I've, I've experienced it. So, yeah. so now you're still practicing both. So do you don't consider your legal profession a relationship? No, I definitely have <laughs> not ever thought <laughs> about th- law, as, even though it's also a practice. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a food for thought maybe i should think about it that way you know and if it, it if if i think about law as a relationship then i would think about it as the abusive okay. relationship that i've tried to who who's abusing heal. who who's abusing who <laughs> the law is abusing me so uh, tell, tr- tell us why you wanted yeah. to save the world you went to yeah. do it i had very lofty goals going to law school like many law students okay and the reality of uh law you may have it's very popular news stories these days. It's very expensive to go to law school. It's expensive when I went. And uh, it, there's not a whole lot of um, education about how you're going to pay back loans that you take. Right. Uh, I was not, I didn't have any real conversations with anybody about that. So I was in uh, denial. I take responsibility for not fully thinking through what was happening. So when it came time to find jobs, And actually, the way they do it at top law schools, like Georgetown, one of the top law schools, they just kind of herd you into a corporate law job because that's just what happens. They have the firms come to the school and you interview and it's very like sexy. These summer programs you go and I actually had a summer internship here in New York City. That's why I ended up in New York. So it was all this fun and special stuff. And, um, And so I just went with the herd into a corporate law job and uh, it was the, not the right decision for me. I, I really should have thought harder so, about it. So I that. assume you're not in that job anymore? No, I lasted two years in the, in the corporate law world and you know, during that time I was practicing yoga and uh, practicing more, knowing it more and so after I left corporate law a mess <laughs> by the way Good, like, ev- like, like everyone else that's going <laughs> through transitions. But you're very yeah, interesting. Yeah. You're very interesting because it seems to me that you, maybe you're still battling it. I mean, mm. I'm not going to talk therapy you in live, but you're still battling the fact that <laughs> you are meant to do both somehow. So, I don't, yep. so I, don't, I, I would guess that law is not abusing you, that you're abusing it. But oh, maybe. But that's, again, it's, it's like I just discovered, I rediscovered... Or in some ways, for the first time, I'm remembering my own love Mm -hmm. for uh, Jewish mysticism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I resented it. Mm -hmm. I hated it. I really did. Like, I said, I worked, I worked for the Kabbalah Center for six years. Mm. And I really thought they were idiots. (laughs) And I was born into it. And they gave me my name, like the guy who started it, like, he's my godfather. And 
but I, I I fought it. I fought it because all I could find is what wasn't good at it. Right. And now I'm 35, and I went to Israel, and I'm like, oh, whoa, why am I fighting? Why am I fighting this stuff? So it seems to me that you're in an interesting place because the, the, you're, you know, to merge your dreams, to merge your daydreams is the struggle that everybody else does also have. So right. kind of, you don't have to pick, you don't have to choose. Right. And you, you don't really right now, right? You're doing both. No, I don't have to. I, I have managed to pursue both uh, paths. But the way you talk about the Jewish mysticism, if anybody who knows me is listening to this podcast there they'll be chuckling because i definitely could be said to to resent the legal profession and i spend a lot of time on soapboxes talking about what's wrong <laughs> with the legal right, profession yeah. well, <laughs> we got three more segments so you can we can we can bitch about it for a full <laughs> segment i think everybody knows is the thing Everybody knows there's a reason, you know, I got uh, going into law school as an idealist. I'm still an idealistic person. Very idealistic. Very. What does that mean? I don't even that know. means I'm I'm optimistic about human nature. OK. So I think that we can create a world that is harmonious and not full of conflict that eases. It, it, it creates policies that ease people's suffering instead of harming them right that uh, encourages us to work together to solve problems that are facing all of us so i'm really optimistic i think it's possible and uh, so and so i went to law school with those uh, idealistic ideas and law will be the way that i'm able to change the world for the better that's good well you hear when i was saying that i have you like you know, sometimes I hear people and teachers are like, well, don't don't get sucked into utopian worldviews. No, I, I have I have utopian worldviews. Not only I have utopian worldviews, I feel like I, I make my decisions every day feeling like there is enough. And yeah. I mean, and, and, and working hard to love my brothers and sisters right. and especially those who I find resentment for or hurt. I... You know, I find uh, I find myself in Jesus mode a lot. <laughs> I do, and I'm and I'm, I can't say I'm proud of it from a sense of pride, but I'm, I'm I'm I I strive to be a good example of a human being. So I think it's important, you know, especially the lawyers have tend to have a negative reputation. Well, lawyers are always thinking about contingencies. What could go wrong? It's part of what we do. You don't. Not I, I do in law, okay, <laughs> in well, my in my profession. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna we're gonna transform you in this next right. segment. We'll be right back. <laughs> in the moon of the budding trees, I was gifted new eyes to see all of the shift and shape and ways you can be. Wake the dreams into realities. Wake the dreams into realities. And we're back. We're talking with Zara, who is a lawyer and a yoga teacher. And I mean, speaking of yin and yang, but it's probably not, you know, we have, I, I actually don't have too many opinions about lawyers because I know when you need one. <laughs> oh, then you love then them. Then you love them. <laughs> I never had a lawyer after me, so I don't really, I mean, right. 
It's a it's it's a service job ultimately. It's How did you fi- survive in New York so long without having to have a lawyer experience? I mean, it's like yeah. part of like living in New York City. You have to have a lawyer experience. Uh, you know, I do a lot of things differently than most people. <laughs> That's and for sure. It's. I'm glad to know you, no, Zara. You, you like, know, I am. You know like, a lawyer. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to know a lawyer, and. I, I mean, I loved John Grisham. You know, it wasn't the book you said, but I definitely was it the firm. I don't know, it was yeah, something, firm, something. Yeah. He wrote a lot of really yeah, good ones. Yeah, and it was good. It's nice. Yeah. So you're uh, saying you're not a recovering lawyer? What does that mean? Because I, 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 I hear that term a lot, and and lawyers, a lot of lawyers go to do holistic careers afterwards because it is soul sapping a lot of the legal profession, not all of it, and. So people leave entirely and and call themselves recovering, meaning which is sort of like like a drug addict is recovering from right. addiction, and so it has this negative connotation. And I'm not recovering; I'm still in it, and that's why I, I was saying a bit about it being an abusive relationship, perhaps because um, I'm trying to I'm trying to make it work, and it is working actually. You know, I've started off talking about the negative. Um, experiences, but uh, but what I do now uh, is very similar to the, the my intention in it is is similar to why I teach yoga, which is to serve people. And the way I've integrated the two is now I'm focusing on serving lawyers. So I serve lawyers in my legal business. I write briefs and do research for other lawyers. I have a business that does that on point expertise. There's any lawyers? Is the name of your business? The name of my business is On Point Expertise. On Point Expertise. Cool. On Point is a is a legal term that all lawyers will recognize, and it, it, so I serve lawyers in that capacity, and then I s- have moved my yoga teaching business to serve lawyers and law firm professionals, people who work and help the lawyers uh, in there. Then do you find do you find that lawyers are more likely to pay attention to you because you're a lawyer specifically in your yoga teaching practice i i i found that i might be so you're in a very very unique position yes is what you're saying i I speak their language so unique you're probably kind of uh, deer in headlights still in it because you could probably do anything that you want with it but it's it's such a surprise and a challenge for you to kind of integrate both of your right. dreams. Right. And that's why I'm happy that you're joining us because y- this is the awkward stage. You're in the mm-hmm. awkward stage. Maybe in 10 years from now when you have some uh, law yoga franchise right. or mixing a lot of these different worlds together, like having yoga teachers go into different corporations but with their language, right. that could be a real thing. But so you, you are in the... In the awkward stage, yep. which is important. The development stage. Yeah, yeah. And I think, what can you tell people right now about about it? Meaning, what's keeping you going or what's your fear or, you know, like... Definitely have a lot of fear right now. My fear is that it it's, it's just not going to... Speaking specifically about the yoga, teaching yoga in in oh, law it's firms. About you, what? It's about you, right. really. It's, it's me teaching yoga, and I want to focus on big law firms. Right. I started my career in a big law firm, and big law firms have unique environments that are really tense, mm-hmm. and 
I think it leads to unhealthy people, unhealthy bodies, unhealthy minds, and it leads to less good outcomes in the cases that they're working on. And so I, I want to change it. <laughs> I want to get in there and change the environment. And it has to be done very subtly and very slowly because lawyers are the last ones to change. Big law firms especially are dinosaurs. They are the everyone else, all the businesses, everything changes first and then the law firms follow with lots of reluctance the contingency thinking followed by doctors <laughs> followed by and after the doctors come after yeah okay yeah. You, you guys are bashing your own profession <laughs> absolutely so, so uh, I wonder if you can relate to the stories Ara. I, I once interviewed somebody on my show that um, was a lawyer um, and and he, he kind of had this epiphany one day he had been working I forget he like you know 60 70 hours one week and he was supposed to get away with his girlfriend that weekend it was their anniversary or something and of course friday his boss comes in and dumps some big project on his desk saying oh and by the way we need this done uh by monday (laughs) and oh like his his boss showed up first said do you have plans for the weekend and he said uh yes he said well this all needs to get done by monday so i guess you have to change your plans and so he was working all weekend long and it was like the middle of sunday afternoon and he had to go to the bathroom and and he, he he's like sitting on the bathroom and he looks down and there's this like you know emptied squeezed out tube of preparation h <laughs> and and he looks down at it and he has this epiphany like this is me i am that squeezed out tube of preparation h and and it was like after that he said he started making plans and like within three months he was gone and he went to find himself yes that that happens more than you know well not the the bathroom preparation h story i'm sure everyone has some similar story like that the getting a a big project on the on friday afternoon that happened to me just every other weekend in the two years that I lived there. I was in uh, corporate law. Uh, That's just how the world works. It's a, it's a unique, uh, it's a unique industry. Big law, they call it capital B. Right. I mean, for him, that was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, you said you got that like every other weekend. Oh, that's a common experience. You, it's part of being a young associate. Still lasted two years. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I was, I was ragged by the end. It was. What was was there a, a straw that broke your back at the end of that two years that just made you say goodbye, or was it just sort of the whole thing? You know, I I have to say that I I had a feeling two weeks into that job that I knew I wasn't going to be doing it very long because it wasn't serving anyone. It was serving faceless companies that I couldn't get passionate about. So. I remember having a bit of an arrogant thought, which arrogance is a, another popular trait among lawyers. I definitely have that Don't one. Don't you have to be a little bit just for the... To be confident. At least a perceived confidence. I, I, and I think a lot of it is, you know, pretty real. I don't so know why I'm being a lawyer for the lawyers right now. But, <laughs> but I, I, I think it's important, I guess, for... <laughs> and I'm not trying to transform you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important. I really do think that just like I am embracing my heritage and some mm-hmm. of the places that I resented and growing up with, it's important for important for you to really see the amazing gifts of right. what you're about to do and you are doing. And 
being a lawyer and a yoga teacher is so unique that I can see how you'll have a lot of resistance. Actually, the whole show, I mean, the title of the show is Playing with, with Resistance. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. it's, uh, and the, the, the bigger your job is, mm. the more resistance you're going to, to face. Right. So, of course, you are in this place where right now uh, you, you ex- expressed your fear, right? Mm. Your fear is that it may not really work. Yeah, that it's not going to work, that it's going to fall like a Led Zeppelin on everyone's <laughs> ears. <laughs> okay, and, and here's the problem. Yeah. We both know that that fear does create the, the particles that make it sure. so. But deep, 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 deep down in your heart, here, here's a question. I mean, if you won the lottery, what would you do? I mean, I would just travel. For real? That's it? <laughs> For how long? I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would, would I would focus on I would in, I would I would probably not practice law anymore. So but you, I would invest in the yoga business and still want to teach the, the lawyers. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I would do more non pro. You know what? I would, actually it took me a minute to think about what I would do. If I question. won the lottery, I would start a nonprofit that could help give people legal services at an affordable rate. I mean, that's one of the issues I have with law is that it's not affordable. And yeah, and I went into this profession wanting to into the legal profession wanting to serve people to save the world and what i discovered was a profession that serves wealth and wealthy and i'm not i'm not you know and i've I've, I've, i'm compassionate about that as well because it's lawyers need to make a living and it's really expensive to go to law school so it's an expensive service but i i think there needs to be more resources dedicated to helping people who so, need what, so you win the lottery, so that's you what dump I your do. boyfriend. Oh, your relationship. Excuse <laughs> me. The, the, the yoga relationship. No, I would never dump yoga. All no, right, no right. I would do both. I okay, think I, think so I would continue. To that. You know, because one thing I realized. What would you do with the money, though? Would you in, train yourself mm-hmm. more? Would you do different marketing? Would you hire a coach? What would happen? What would you do differently sure. than you're doing right now? Um, yeah, I would probably invest more in marketing and hire team maybe to okay, so do some of it, it sure seems like you're already doing everything you really want to do yeah, i'm definitely not i'm not a person who has spent time on something that i do not want to do i have at times felt like i'm trapped in the law but i realized um actually it, it, on a trip to india my first trip to india when i was being spiritual and uh you're not anymore. No trips are to India are always spiritual, okay. but it was, it was after I had left. It was a couple of years after I'd left the law firm job. I thought maybe I would just teach yoga, forget the law thing. This isn't working. <clears throat> Trying to find a place in the legal profession, and uh, I, um, I met a fellow traveler that I had a travel relationship with, and I realized how argumentative I am. I'm really argumentative and this guy was not uh, an intellectual type and um, it, it was hard for him to to feel it or to to interact with it and I had a moment where I was looking at the goddess of wisdom Saraswati if anybody knows and I realized that I could not leave the legal profession because it feeds a an intellectual curiosity an intellectual passion that I have um, and I really do enjoy making arguments, and I enjoy winning them. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to definitely keep in touch a lot and see <laughs> what you do because the potential of what you're doing, how you're bringing together the most mind and analytical mm-hmm. profession there is. Right? I mean, I don't it's know. It's pretty so intellectual. You, yeah. Yeah, and using words and yep, and, it's all and, words and, based and language and marrying it with. Mm-hmm. Presence mm-hmm. and feelings mm-hmm. and being okay with yourself mm-hmm. and knowing the body law is all in the mind not even the mind it's the intellect the intellect mind not the higher level mind well, we're, gonna go, we're gonna go on a break and i want to yeah. hear about the kind of stuff that uh, you're actually teaching the you know mm-hmm. lawyers that could really be beneficial for so many of us mm-hmm. who are so mind oriented so we'll be back We're back, and we are with Zara, who is a lawyer and a yoga teacher, and we have just been listening to her journey of listening to two different daydreams and callings, one of which is being a lawyer and saving the world through being an advocate for those who need the help, and then finding peace and presence in yoga practice. She's been doing it now for 15 years, and now she is all scared and awkward as she wants to marry as she intends to marry and bring together the legal uh, her yoga practice into the legal world what would be the benefits for yoga to the legal world like okay, so w- what's typical in a lo- lawyer's office that yoga and you specifically can I don't know was it offset or teach yes uh, it, it, the life of a lawyer in a big law firm the big law firms are what i'm focusing on i'm I'm also teaching lawyers uh private classes but i'm really pushing with law yoga teaching in the big law firms in Mm -hmm. their conference rooms and in the conference room in conference rooms, so they don't have to bring like yoga clothes well there's a couple of different uh options and one is is classical style yoga or you know 20th century classical style yoga (laughs) classical style yoga is something very different from what we're accustomed to and uh, but with mats and changing okay and uh what i've found in uh, the places that i've taught so far is that and this makes total sense to me is that lawyers are in particular resistant to going to the classes. It's mostly professionals, the secretaries, the paralegals, um, this uh, class of, of attorneys that are called doc review attorneys. And they'll go because they're not on partner track. There's this very unique um, career reality in big law firms where you're on this lockstep track to partner and there's a lot of reputation at stake. So people don't want to change their clothes so into workout clothes and okay. to be seen in the halls by the partner that they need on their side to Makes be able sense. to get go forward in their career. So you they don't meet them do where they're at. Okay. So I uh, have not developed, but I got, I don't remember when the idea entered my mind, but I thought we'll, we'll just do yoga with our 
business clothes on sitting in chairs and using the chairs and the tables to move the body to stretch the parts that are under the most repetitive stress and then I will teach them uh, breathing exercises which help a lot with stress and focus and also meditation so I do more breathing meditation in the chair yoga classes than what I do in the mat yoga classes, I do more classical style, although I still do the breathing and meditation as well because everybody... And how's it going? Like, how's the... I mean, I know you said you're nervous, but I, uh, I doubt that that has anything to do with actually how it's actually going. I mean, the people... The classes that I've taught, the places that I've managed to, to convince to let me come in and do this, I, they love it because lawyers are starved. The peop- lawyers and law... The people working for them, the professionals in the firm are starved for moving their bodies. They go into these buildings in the morning and they don't leave until after sunset. And they sit at the desk for hours at a time. And well, most of the people listening. True. You know, a lot of it's the reality uh, for a lot of us. Yeah. What can yeah. you tell them? What can you, you know, well, what can they do at home? I know it's kind of hard to describe, but maybe some mindset they can take on, maybe some breathing things. Right. What have you found that's been working consistently uh is is there is there breathing is it stretching is it just moving is it just even getting even the the desire to move the desire to to have a mindfulness or getting present is that a real thing like do people look at you like what are you talking about or (laughs) is that already a common word mindfulness is a common word now and I do use mindfulness in my marketing as well because it, it to me, mindfulness captures the idea of, of thinking, uh, not thinking with the, the intellectual mind, but the present mind of being aware of what you're doing and making choices that help you feel better so that you can do better what you're doing right. and be better. Um, so in, under mindfulness, I would say trying to remember to, and there's lots of, of, of different apps that help you do this now these days, but trying to take a break every hour. Do you have a favorite app? I don't use apps. Okay. People use apps. I'm actually really disciplined. I've always been a very disciplined person. And, uh, and, and so it was, I'm pretty good at, in, in, in and I, I, what I teach comes directly from my own experience, and I'm still practicing law, so I'm still involved with sitting at a desk for 12 hours to okay. work on a brief. So what do you do? So I intentionally take give myself a five-minute break just about every hour. Okay. And it depends on how intense. So sometimes it's really intense, and you're really stressed out, and you like can't take your mind out of the flow of the what you're working on, the argument or the... Uh, trying to find the solution. So if, if it, if flow is really intense, then I'll just take five minutes and, and, and take, close my eyes, push my chair back away from my desk and take a few deep breaths. I do that a lot before I start a new project. Sometimes I'm working on several different at a time and I kind of need to like wipe the slate. So I'll and you do that with breathing, just simple deep breaths and the eyes closed I have this little bit of an intention, sort of trying to think about what I want to accomplish in what I'm doing. And for me, because of the work I do in law now, it's all about helping people. So I want, I think about 
how this is the the solution I want this person to have. Hmm. Usually, it, it's I want to win the argument for them. So, uh, you, but do <laughs> so you, they're are you thinking about yourself, or you're thinking about their benefits? There, there is there is a there is a selfish. I, I enjoy I'm winning. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but but I want to win for them. It really. I, what I've realized over the years with with the legal work that I do is that I do my best work when I feel really passionate about it, and I feel really passionate about certain cases like immigration cases I do a lot of foreclosure defense cases um even a, a you know any any case that i that I, there's there's a, a person that i'm helping get some benefit then i get really passionate about it so i think about what it is that i want to so help you, them get so you so you, you, you so interesting i like that so you're taking a few minutes but a lot of people are intimidated by you know having to clear their mind you're mm-hmm. saying that's not i mean it's fine if you can do that but you're saying you're not f- necessarily trying to clear your mind you are refocusing your mind mm-hmm. on the positive and the intention of what you're doing yeah so that's nice i mean i can i could definitely do that uh, in my life too like maybe for me i found the focus to be like every 45 minutes is mm-hmm. like I have a 40 right. minute thing like after 40 minutes I'm just repeating myself right. when I'm writing right so for me if, but I don't what I do is I just go for a walk and I just kind of clear my head but to take a few minutes breathing but then mm-hmm. also focusing on the intention of right why am I writing this what am I doing this for right. who am I doing this for what do I want to communicate it's a lot of writing yeah what, law. I commu- okay. what am I trying to communicate Okay, so you take a few moments, you take some breaths. Mm. What else? Any, any, any like easy stretches? So that's sort of the short thing if I'm feeling very under the deadline gun, mm-hmm. I call it. When I can only do a little bit, I, I, I make that happen. And then if I have a little bit more time or I have a half hour between when I need to work on the next project or be in the next place, then then I will do. Just, I have a basic set of stretches that I do, which is hard to describe uh without showing you but it it targets the different parts of the body that are the most stressed from sitting at a desk so this is usually what it's a real simple one that actually everyone should do okay every single day is to just fold your head down towards your feet hang over your legs stretch the backs of your legs uh disclaimer everybody please be careful with your lower back if you feel any pulling in the lower back bend your knees you don't want it feel tension in your lower back when you try to stretch the back of your legs but the backs of the legs are in a seated position constantly being stressed so you're not so you get off the chair so you're not uh, yeah, in the yeah. chair so getting out get of the chair, the chair. this and is then if i you, have more time and then yeah. you put your you, you hang over the legs hang over the legs yeah. and i know that i will have to do that mm. so and bend take, my knees and take five count them deep inhales and deep exhales Just slow it down yeah. uh, once every hour I, if I have, if I have, uh, I do the, the pausing bit, the five little five minute pausing bit once every hour. If I'm, if I have more time, it's usually in between projects. So every couple of hours, maybe it ends up being once a day. Maybe I'm so stressed out that I don't get no, to do I'm, it. I'm very interested <laughs> in it because somebody has shown that to me once yep. before and I haven't been doing it. Mm-hmm. So even if this is just about. Even if you just do it once a day in between morning stuff and the afternoon Why is it so stuff, important? Why is it so important? It's a, it, the, the, the backs of your legs are, are sort of strained into like a half, a half bent posture when you're sitting in the chair. So 
stretching the leg all the way and then folding over is, is just releasing the muscles and and does it have effect on on the mind like because we'll you know people who are working on the desk like right, lawyers right. does it have an effect on the mind does it have a direct effect on cognitive abilities personally my experience is that when the body feels better the mind is more calm the pain in the body is very agitating and it, it disturbs the mind so stretching to release tense muscles is going to calm you down on one level the deep breaths are really what's going to calm you down if you really focus on slowing it down and taking it in nice and deep and full exhaling it all the way out that will have a, a remarkably so it's really not intense. that complicated is it's what not you're saying. complicated it's the discipline of doing it the discipline is hard which is why i do the classes because it's hard for people to think about doing it themselves although i am experiment with little uh, i've experimented within uh, in my newsletter different uh written teachings and i'm also going to be doing trying to do uh, video teachings that will make it easier for people to follow but i call them i call it uh, a practice break because it's like it's like a coffee break you, you could go down to the the you know, whatever place where they have your coffee machine in big firm, right? You go in there, you get a coffee, you stand around, you say hello, you drink a little bit of coffee. It takes five minutes. People do that all the time. Or the people used to do smoke breaks. I don't, so many people don't do that it's, anymore. They still do that now. <laughs> right. It's uh, not as popular, but, but it's a practice break. So you, you get up for five minutes and, you know, the forward bend stretch is, is one of my favorite. There's also shoulder stretches that you can do and, um, side stretches are really good. You can do those in the chair, like holding on to one arm, an arm crossed in front of you, holding on to the arm of your chair, and then yeah, the other arm. Yeah, you're gonna have to put some of the stuff on your website. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be video. Everybody, yeah, go to lawyoga.com. Definitely get onto the newsletter. There'll be video teachings coming this year, and the idea is for it to be a little five minute bite sized practice. Yeah, that you can do at your desk. Well, we're going to go on a little break. When we come back, I want to hear all about what it took you to get your website finally done and all the stuff that most of us are just not just terrified of. We just don't do it. Right. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry. Hydrate these cells because the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. Oh, 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 oh. And we are back being community radio. We're on with Zara. And I'm interested in this next section because I myself have been online since 1996. I remember the first domain name I ever bought was z66.com for whatever reason. And uh, I, it's been. 20 years, 21 years. I've been yeah, even working as a spiritual guide now for four years full time. Mm. I still don't have a website. Mm. Uh, and there's so many reasons why I don't have a website. There's many like real reasons, fake reasons. But I know one of the main ones is there's a part of me that I just don't want to be one of those guys. Mm. Not now, because I think that stuff's kind of going away. But mm. for years, I really despised the personal development industry mm. like i didn't want to be right. one of those people mm -hmm. and now that i'm so one of those people mm -hmm. <laughs> i am also i'm actually working on my website mm -hmm. 
So I'm just curious. I know it's like a simple thing to talk about a website, but sure. maybe I don't think I'm the only one. I know a lot of people oh, who... It's been a huge challenge. Yeah, tell me. Talk <laughs> to me about it. Well, I, I wanted to do a website because I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. I, I am an introvert. And so that was... Doing a website was the way I was going to avoid human networking, which... It's interesting because I really got moving on this law yoga website after I finally made the decision to do human network, do people networking. And I joined a networking group, Body Local, and met a bunch of people and started interacting with other wellness professionals. Um, at the same time, I started human networking with lawyers as well in for my legal business. So it sort of all happened at the same time. So it's interesting because I was trying to hide behind the website but it wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't getting it to right. where I wanted it to be, the way I wanted it to look until I started interacting with people. <laughs> um, so, but on the practical level, I, you, you, it, it, it was, um, I've done it all myself. I've watched a bunch of webinars. Oh yeah? Yes, I'm a... You are disciplined. I'm a pretty disciplined person. I'm pretty, pretty disciplined. Um, I can be um, very... Uh, how, how how hard was it or is it like I, I know most of us are semi-technical i mean well i i i'll just tell you squarespace i don't know if you've okay take take you it recommend them? been around it's it's really easy on squarespace it's okay. very easy to learn how to manipulate the different things and then once you learn then you can just be creative how long did it take you it's it, it the you know because i have two websites and the the law yoga one has taken me probably I mean, I've probably spent only 20 hours on it over wow. the last six months. And now nah, maybe more, I, I add another 10 hours of the sort of conceptualizing. Do, do you feel more uh, ready or confident when you yes. go out there and you have a website? Yes, yeah. yes. So. I didn't want to even tell anybody the website. It took me forever to think of the website name also. It took hours of brainstorming to <laughs> come up with the name of the website. I was yeah. really sort of wanting to communicate this to law firms in a way that they're going to understand that it's going to look familiar to them. I want it to look like a wellness um, provider. And, uh, but then with the, the law yoga and then communicating my, my uniqueness about being a lawyer like them. So I can, I can teach them specifically. And so, uh, so the website is up. The website is up. That's and exciting. It's very exciting. I'm very happy with it, and I just need to make a few little more tweaks. But once I got the con- sure, concept, it is ongoing, especially with Squarespace. You just get on, and I'm sitting in meditation in the morning when I should be focusing my mind, and I think about one little <laughs> sentence that I want to change, and I think got to remember that I'm going to change it as soon as I get up from my meditation. <laughs> and of course, I forget every time. But then I think about it again later. So you have a meditation practice? I have a very disciplined meditation practice, yes. I have a very disciplined everything practice. I do a whole series of yogic cleansing techniques and breathing practices in the morning. And then I do an hour of Buddhist uh, vipassana meditation. Every morning? This is every morning. It, I will not say every, you know, it's... When do you wake up? Four in the morning? No, I've been trying to push it earlier and earlier um, because it's easier to do those practices in the morning. Um, right now, it's I get up between 6 and 6.30. Okay, that's not bad. But I don't have to be, I don't commute because I work, the law work is at home, so. And it works for you. 
obviously. Yeah, I, I love the morning practice. It's very fulfilling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm naturally a disciplined person. It's It was always a, a personality trait that I had anyway. Well, our live stream is about to go off, and okay. I'm not going to start a new one. I just wanted to say to people who are watching in this uh, last minute, you can continue listening at TalkingAlternative.com. Definitely next week, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to get better at it. And uh, for those of you who will not switch over to TalkingAlternative.com because you're on Facebook anyway and it's just in the background. Mm -hmm. So we are talking to Zara, LawYoga.com. We're going to follow up with her. She seems uh, she's got a lot going on. I like that she's still in the awkward, Mm -hmm. scared stage. And it probably keeps her affordable still. So (laughs) if (laughs) you guys are lawyers or in offices and you want to explore what a, law, a lawyer yoga teacher has to offer definitely go to lawyoga.com and again do it now while she's so cheap <laughs> <laughs> so thank you and uh, we're going to continue you. the conversation on talking alternative so let's okay. continue yeah you have a boyfriend right mm-hmm. i met him yep kind of outing you uh, how is he That's supportive how's it going uh, how is that he's so he's your second or third relationship out of the legal you got the law you got right right so he would be the third right um uh it, the the least long right? <laughs> the newest the newest. the newest yeah he's also a lawyer oh yes and you say oi but the funny thing is is that lawyers often end up in relationships with other lawyers because we were so uh we so change the way we think and argue <laughs> that uh that we we connect on a on a, a very deep level with each other so so yeah it's we ha- we definitely have an intellectual strong intellectual that's nice connection. is that your first lawyer boyfriend or it's my first boyfriend first boyfriend yeah my first wow. one from um other than uh different Traveling, traveling romances romancing. that I would have, yeah. All right, so that's good. How long have you guys been together? Um, for six years. Wow, how is his discipline compared to yours? He's also very disciplined. Actually, that was one of the things I was um, attracted to. Yeah, he's a very disciplined person. We, we, we struggle with the fun part. Yeah? That's the part we have to work on. Maybe you should fun with the struggle. Fun with the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you struggling with the fun part? No, because we're both, we're both very disciplined people. Maybe you could be very disciplined about having some fun. Exactly. So we try that. So we, we tend to get into the... He's also very idealistic and like driven, um, you know... What kind of lawyer is he? He's, uh, he also does similar to what I do litigation. Okay. But he has a passion issue that he works on that's an activist. I'm, I don't think he would mind me telling you it's drug yeah. policy reform. So okay. he's involved with different drug policy activists in New York City going back 25 years. And to do what? To like restore, uh, change the schedules of different things? Yeah, well, that, that's, that, that is a high goal of uh, these activists. Um, but the, that's federal. And so they're, they're working more on the state level and trying to change the laws in, in New York. Any specific drugs? Well, he works specific first with marijuana, but he's moving out of that now because now it's pretty much a done deal. Like we're pretty, yeah. we're, we're through the marijuana struggle. Okay, that's a little. Can go either way. Uh, he doesn't think they're totally out of it, but he wants to move into psychedelics now. He has this whole vision of a society that has that allows access 
to psychedelics for healing and um, self knowledge. So he's how is that going? For uh, how is I mean, but now we need to bring him on the show. You need to bring him on the show, definitely. All right, so he's also trying to create something in that world and is in the the what am I doing and how do I do it stage. That's cool. All right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll continue talking about that because that would be a fun show as well. You guys can both come on because you guys okay. seem to be a quirky, <laughs> quirky, fun discipline. Yeah, it's a little quirky. Uh, I, I don't even buy your insecurities so much. You just oh, oh <laughs> y- y- you have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of do, but I don't know. No, uh, I, it's the lawyer. I, I've been trained to, to be confident. I mean, actually, I was always pretty confident anyway, I think. And... Uh, law actually one of the great benefits of of a legal education is that it instills a really deep confidence i'm not afraid of society because i understand how it works and um it 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 gives a confidence that i didn't have before and um so that kind of that pervades into other things but don't think i'm not you know lots of doubts and I'm sure you do. Self-doubt and fears and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, I read this great book called uh, War of Art, is it? By Stephen Pressfield. Mm. Got to read it. Okay. And this whole book basically starts with saying, anytime that you find your passion, and you got problems because you found your passions really early on. Right. So, I mean, the amount of resistance you're going to experience from the part of you that just wants to destroy yourself and right. self-sabotage. Right. You're just going to keep coming up because the stuff that you and your boyfriend are working on are is basically, it doesn't get any more revolutionary than that. Mm-hmm. Like softening the lawyers. Right. And uh, uh, softening the grip on consciousness raising mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. i mean i know it's pretty it's pretty big i mean this is this is why we have this sort of connection of really big hopes right, it's cool i feel like yeah. this show was really just a little practice run for our next show when uh, what's your boyfriend's name noah noah cool noah potter psychedelic com. really yeah that's great <laughs> that's really great <laughs> I'm uh, I'm thrilled. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about him coming on. We're going to sign off for the evening. But it's been really fantastic to get to know you this way and see you fidget around and all that stuff. Because it's better you than me, let me tell you. (laughs) 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 uh, Oh, it was great. Thank you for having me. And uh, lawyoga.com and everything else. Thank you. Yeah, and all of it. All right. Thank you.